It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You're listening to BGN Radio right here on bleedinggreennation.com. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? It is a bye week, but we have made it to episode number 57. Uh, we have uh, plenty to talk about, though. Is uh, We're just going to get right down to it. It's a bye week. There's a ton of stuff going on. Everybody is rooting for the, uh, you know, uh, Dallas just to kind of implode on itself and nobody wins, but we know that can't happen. Uh, but let's introduce everybody around the horn. First and foremost, special co-host uh, this evening, and we are very pumped that he is here. And uh, we had him on originally when we first started this thing, and for some reason, the ghost ate the tape. It was one of the best shows I think we had ever done, uh, but nobody is going to hear it. So this will try and be the tribute to that as we welcome in Mr. Shio Kapadia from uh, Birds 24-7. How are you, sir? That's right, John. We've got nowhere nowhere to go but up from the last one, right? So <laughs> I'm looking for big things tonight. Excellent. Well, we'll, tr- we'll try and bring it with you. And thank you so much for joining us. And, of course, uh, with the rest of the crew is here. From uh, BleedingGreenNation.com, Mr. BLG, what's happening, my friend? Doing great. Glad to be here. And you are not kidding, John. That show was awesome, and it, it's such a shame it never came to light. <laughs> uh, from 97.5, The Fanatic, Mr. James Zeltzer, how are you, sir? John, now all I'm going to be able to think about is trying to live up to that show. You've ruined it I for know, everybody. I, I don't think we're, we... not, we're never going to reach that level again. <laughs> That's the problem. I don't know if we can get into it, but uh, yeah, yeah, we might, we might be able to come close because the man, the professor himself, is also here, Mr. Patrick Wall. How are you, my friend? Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Well, I mean, let's get right into it here, guys. There's There's been a lot of excitement with this Birds theme. Obviously, when you come off of a win like this, 
it's always uh, a good thing to kind of have, uh, you know, into the bye week. We got some starters that are going to be resting up and hopefully being joined in the crew. She will start with you first. I mean, like, how did you how do you fare with this Eagles team thus far? What's impressed you to the most? What are some things that are still warring you right now? Yeah, I think after the first uh, five games there, you know, it, it felt like they were 4-1 and one and they had done some good things, but you were still unsure about them. But I think that win over the Giants, that 27 nothing shutout, really uh, put this team in a good light heading into the bye week. You know, I think the defense has really been a surprise for me. If you look at football outsiders, who I think they have the best rating system for overall offense, overall defense. The Eagles' defense has moved all the way up Number 11, and keep in mind, that's with Michael Kendrick having been sidelined here. He's one of their two or three best players, I think, on defense. So that's been the part that really impressed me, that that Giants offense was playing pretty well the previous three weeks. Billy Davis came up with a good game plan and uh, really got after Eli Manning. And now you look at the second half, if the offense can get some things together, uh, I think the ceiling on this team has been raised because of that defense. And uh, BLG, I mean, like we know that, you know, the turnovers have been coming, the sacks have been coming in the last couple of games. How good do you think this defense can be? And do you think that'll kind of continue as we go on here? Yeah, well, you know, going back to last week, I think we had a, I think I had mentioned in the preview show, you know, there was someone on Twitter last week talking about how, you know, the Eagles defense was like, he couldn't even think of a defense worse than the Eagles. And, you know, <laughs> it just looks so ridiculous now, you know, because they pitched the shutout. They look great. You know, I don't think they're, I, I say it all the time, I never really think they are a shutdown defense, even though they did pitch the shutout the other night. I just think they're best case scenario. You know, they're they're slightly above average. You know, they're, they're good enough to keep you in the game where the offense should be fully functioning. You know, they're not going to carry the team if the offense sputters. You know, the offense needs to be going strong, and it looks like it's going that way with the revival of LaShawn McCoy and everything. Uh, and then you have the special teams unit playing playing out of its mind. So you know, I I think this defense, you know, it 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 just it has the potential to be good enough, and I think that's all you really need. Yeah, and Shield with that, I, you know, BLG mentions uh, Lashawn McCoy. The offensive line's obviously been you know patchwork and all that stuff. Do you do you really think that it was just a combination of both things? Did you do you feel that it was more offensive line than shady, or what's your what's your turn out there? You know, I think a big thing about it was the game plan too. We've talked so much. I think the biggest factor has been offensive line. When you talk about LaShawn McCoy's struggles, uh, that, that's been the biggest thing. And certainly there have been times where he could have played better. But really after the last two games, one against the 49ers and once against the St. Louis Rams, there were indications that defenses had a little bit of a beat on what the Eagles were doing offensively. And, and that's not a shot at Chip Kelly or the Eagles offense. You know, they'll be the first to tell you we have our foundation plays that we go to over and over and over again, we're going to dress them up differently and we're going to execute. That's really the basis of the offense. But defenses have found a little bit of a, of a way to get to some of those foundation plays, specifically against the run. And I thought they did a really good job of mixing things up and keeping the Giants off balance. Remember last year when this Eagles offense was humming and playing really well and had the best rush offense in the NFL, the Giants really shut them down. The Sean McCoy had 35 carries for 94 yards in two meetings against the Giants in 2013. So I went into this last game thinking they're not going to be able to run the football this year, uh, given all that information. But uh, the game plan was sound. The offensive line played better. And uh, LaShawn McCoy finally got going. And to me, that's the biggest sign of encouragement 
to come out of that game because really you should only have to go through two more games without Jason Kelsey and Evan Mathis. And if those guys come back and you've added these new wrinkles, all of a sudden you could have a pretty potent rushing attack in the second half of the season. Yeah, James, it's it's been that that kind of – I don't know if everybody saw it. There was that awesome uh, the, the inside the NFL video that came out today. He kind of got a glimpse of what was going on during the Giants game. It looked like everybody was having fun. Um there was one thing I think every a lot a big Chip Kelly quote that everybody hung on today was you know that's that's how you win chemistry's all all about the importance how you build a team all that stuff are are you buying into that James now I mean if if there's any guys that are still saying you know they're still wavering on Deshaun Jackson or the amount of talent that this team actually has are, are you putting more stock in now to what he's saying and what he's shown you in this you know almost season and a half. Yeah, and I have been for a while, John. I, I think the the biggest thing about Chip Kelly is look when when Chip first came to Philadelphia, everyone was talking about this offensive genius and this savant and and all these words thrown around about his play calling and what he does on the offensive side of the football. But but I don't think what we all understood when we were getting a guy like Chip Kelly into Philadelphia was that it's not about that. It's not about the specific play calling or not about the offensive innovation or whatever. It's about the whole program that this guy brings. It's about the sports science. It's about the focus on sleep and the focus on health and the focus on team culture and all these types of things that go into the entire Chip Kelly program. Uh, and I think that that's been the biggest takeaway that, that I've had from Chip Kelly as a head coach. It's not that he's this, this, you know, genius as far as offensive, you know, philosophy goes or whatever it is. It's the fact that it's this whole culture that he brings in and institutes and takes seriously and the efficiency behind it and and the way he goes about doing things are all very different than you see around the rest of the NFL. And and I think that it's going to change things. I think that you're starting to see more people get interested in sports science. You're starting to see the, the special team success that the Eagles are having and and people ask why, what is Chip doing that's so different and I think it will have an influence across the league, but as far as a buying in type of thing goes, especially from a culture perspective with the team, yeah, I'm 100% in. I I believe in what Chip's doing. I believe in the program, and I believe that long term it's going to be successful. Yeah, and my that's my apologies. I had misspoke. He definitely did say culture, not chemistry. But you know, when you look at liabilities like. You know, people have been throwing Riley Cooper in there now that Jeremy Macklin seems to be having success. There's still liabilities at the cornerback position. You know, Sheil, are you 100% buying into that, or are you still worried long-term of what this team is going to be able to do? I mean, I think the culture stuff is great. I think having uh, teammates who, who work together and are focused on one goal and everything Chip Kelly is doing with the program, I, I think that's all great. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, I still think you got to have talent and talent is going to trump a lot of those other intangibles, whether it's chemistry, culture, whatever else you want to talk about. Um, are they a contender? I think they're a contender in the NFC. I was just looking at Seattle uh, before I came on with you, and they're having a lot of issues on the defensive side of the ball with their pass defense, which no one saw coming in. And then after them, I mean, you really have, I think, a, a handful of teams, whether it's the Eagles, Cowboys, uh, Packers, Carolina, whoever you want to name, 49ers get thrown in there. But I think a lot of those teams are really in the same category, and it's going to come down to who's healthiest coming down the stretch, 
who's playing the best football uh, in late December and maybe who's getting those bye weeks in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, Patrick, I'm curious too. Do you do you see the NFC or even the NFC East kind of shaping up any way different that uh, we're not looking at it right now? Is there a team that you think might make a surprise in the next couple of weeks that nobody's really talking about right now? Well, I think after that 27 nothing loss, it's really fans have found it easy to discount the Giants. Um, but I find it hard to discount them because of what they had done prior uh, to Sunday's game. I mean, division games, I feel like to a certain extent, you almost have to throw stats out the window uh, just because the teams know each other so well and there's so much bad blood in, in history. Um, I would expect the Giants to come out and maybe if they don't beat the Cowboys, they'll at least, uh, you know, play well. And I expect them to continue that throughout the season. So it would not surprise me at all um, to see this really end up as a three horse race down the stretch. Um, I don't see the Cowboys going away anytime soon, which who thought we'd be saying that uh, halfway through the season. And I think it's really going to come down to, you know, the end of the the season there. The Eagles are going to have to stay on the positive side uh, record wise in the division. Um, And, you know, don't count out any of these teams, even Washington, you know, their record might not be great, but they've been in games. Uh, I don't see them coming back at this point, but yeah, I, I expect it to be a three, a three team race come uh, mid December. Well, with that and with playing well and having to be sharp, I mean, we talk about it, Shiel, almost every week in this, every, probably every other day in this town, we're talking about Nick Foles. And I think there's a lot of it that still has 27 and two is still stuck in a lot of people's heads. The, the start to the season wasn't great, um, especially in San Francisco. Ton of doubters, including myself. I mean, putting up zero points is a bad thing. How do you feel about Nick Foles thus far, and are you paying him money uh, soon? Uh, I, I think he, he has to be looked at as a question mark here. And uh, no, you know, I'm not paying him money so far. He leads the NFL in turnovers. Uh, you know, he's a handful among a handful of quarterbacks who are completing uh, less than 60% of their passes, averaging fewer than seven yards in attempt, and it's really not a good class he's with there. So he's missed a lot of receivers open downfield. His decision-making has not been great, and his accuracy has not been great. And when we looked at Nick Foles last year, you know, no one said he had the biggest arm or that he was the most athletic guy or any of those things. What we thought was his elite skill was his decision-making. Can he make the right reads? Can he might make the right decision? And can he take care of the football? Because I think if you do those things in this offense, the way the scheme is, the way the run game is, the way the offensive line will be in the second half of the season, the quarterback should be able to have success. So I'm not ready to write him off. I'm not saying he's the worst quarterback in the league, anything like that. But you certainly need to see more from him in the second half of the season. And everything else we talk about, is great, but really I think it will come down to how the quarterback is playing down the stretch. That's going to determine how far this team goes. And, Sheila, I'm just curious, too, just to follow up with that. If there becomes a point in the season, like what what for you would have to happen with Nick Foles for there to be a quarterback change, for Chip Kelly to be like, all right, we can't win unless we make this change right now. What for you would that look like? I mean, I can't even really picture it, honestly. I right. think Chip Kelly... Is locked in with him. Uh, you know, Mark Sanchez, everyone is kind of going off the, the preseason and training camp. But this guy came in having thrown more interceptions than touchdowns in his career, was not, uh, you know, the most accurate quarterback <laughs> either. So it's not like you have a great option. But actually, I think it would take them really losing several games in a row 
and and Foles clearly being the reason why they're losing those games. Uh, but other than that, I think they're going to ride with him the rest of the season, and then uh, they'll have to figure out based on how he plays what they do in the off season. Yeah, I think if that. I mean, if you saw what we did on Sunday night, and it's that kind of tempo, I think we can for the most part, live with that, maybe minus the interceptions. I mean, played really sharp. If there's one interception per game, but there's three touchdowns attached to it, I think everybody's happy there. BLG, are you happy with that? You know, I I agree with a, a lot of what Shield had to say. I'm, you know, at this point, I think uh, I was talking to some of the BGN guys, and we were, we were trying to give Foles a letter grade to this point in the season. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, it has to be C- minus because if I say C- I think that that says average, and I don't think he's been average. I think he's been below average to this point. The the numbers that Shield brought up really suggest that. You know, he's in the company of quarterbacks right now, like EJ Manuel, Matt Castle, you know, Smith, Mike Glennon, Chad Henney, and Drew Stanton, and those just aren't Oof. good names. And <laughs> you know, a lot of people will throw the fact that you know Foles is five and one in your face, but you know, he's not going to be. He's not going to continue to be five and one if if he's playing at this kind of low level. Uh, you know, it's just really frustrating right now because you, you, it looks like everything in place is, is, is mostly in place with the team. You know, obviously there are deficiencies, but, you know, if you don't have the quarterback and that's a big missing piece, that's a big question. And not only is that a problem in the short term, but you're looking at the long term and, you know, you really can't extend him if he's not playing well enough. And at the same time, you know, how do you get a replacement? Because if you're if you're too good to not be at the top of the order in the draft there and get, you know, a, a top prospect, you know, you're really just hoping one falls because free agency, you know, that's really just probably not an option at all. Not too many good quarterbacks hit the market. There are rare exceptions. But so it's really just this this it's like a big lingering cloud over the team right now in my mind. Yeah, it's and we're going to we're, we're going to be having this that discussion pretty much for the whole year and uh I really hope that it it is just gets more consistent at one point. Just like we've been saying this whole time and if we finally saw a sniff of it on Sunday night, all phases of the game there and it finally starts to click. It's a very very dangerous team. One which I don't think can regress because it's uh, I think the coaching staff alone has already proven that they they can kind of put an end to it. Um, and it looks like guys are developing and I can't wait to see Jordan Matthews and even Huff kind of develop even a little further on later in the year to see if they can improve, even if it's only on special teams for Huff and all that stuff. Shia, we're looking at the rest of the schedule basically for the Eagles here. Um, where are your pitfalls and where are you checking off? wins here how, how does the rest of the season kind of shape up for you yeah i don't know exactly how it's going to play out but uh you know i think with this start you're looking at you know if it's less than 11 wins to end the season i think that would be uh that would be a bit of a surprise to me you know i wasn't expecting them to be five and one going into the bye and when you look at how they've done it and what the second half holds i mean jason kelsey evan mathis and michael kendrick those are Probably what three? You know, certainly three of your top ten players. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, Kelsey and Mathis has made a Pro Bowl. Kelsey is going to make a Pro Bowl, and Kendricks is arguably, you know, your defensive player along there with Fletcher Cox with the highest ceiling. So, uh, if you're an Eagles fan right now, uh, you know, you're really hanging your hat on those guys coming back and really feeling good about how special teams and the defense has kind of carried you through the first part of the schedule. I mean, they're going to be tough games. They've got Seattle. Uh, they've obviously got a lot of division games left. They've got Carolina at home. 
that won't be easy. And uh, Arizona has done some good things as well. So there's going to be some fun games, though. I mean, you're, you're looking at a lot of these guys, teams that are, are in the lead in their different divisions, whether it's Green Bay also, i got to add in there. And the Eagles, we're really going to find out, I think, in the next month or so where this team is. But like I said, I expect them to come out on the winning end of, uh, of more than a few of those ball games and be sitting there at 11-5 and five or maybe even 12-4 and four by the time the season ends. Man, I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Shio mentions the Packers. That's actually one of the teams that I still think can be an NFC kind of surprise here. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. Anything can happen with that team. Shield, I know you have to run, but uh, I thank you so much for joining us here on BGN Radio. Please come back anytime. Your noggin is very much welcome uh, on the show at any point. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. Awesome. Thanks again to Shield. Uh, let's keep that going, though, guys. Um, James, I'm curious. Do you, do you see any big pitfalls or massive runs uh, coming up with the rest of the schedule here? Uh, I don't in particular because, like, you know, when you actually look at the schedule – they really don't have many cake games left. You figure Washington and Tennessee, I guess, are probably the two easiest opponents on the docket. But for for the most part, I think actually outside of Washington and Tennessee, every single team they play is 500 or better as of right now. So there are some tough games left. But I, I, the point that Shield made, which was the point I was going to make, and of course – Shield being awesome stole it for me, um, but but was the idea of look like you're five and one heading into the bye without your highest upside defensive player and a guy who had been borderline dominant the first few weeks in Kendricks, your best offensive lineman outside of Peters and Kelsey, and it's unfair to to a guy who would be the the best offensive lineman on on many offensive lines in the league in Kelsey, a guy who grades out every year as the you know one of the best guards and if not the best run blocking guard in the league in Mathis, and, and you're still sitting here at five and one with the defense playing way better than you expected with the special teams being the the best special teams unit in the league. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where she'll said it, and, and in my head I'm thinking like that's crazy, but at the same time like. If they don't win 11 or 12 games at this point where you sit now, it would be a, a a bit of a disappointment and certainly a surprise. So even though they have some tough matchups left to go, I think you got to expect at least 11 wins out of this team for where they're at and where they're positioned moving forward. And I'll, I'll even I'll further that a little more. I'll, I'll even say it'd be ridiculous if they didn't. And I know that sounds like, oh, wait, don't tempt fate. Yeah, don't jinx anything. But you just look at the schedule and it's just like, guys, it's the Cardinals. And I understand they have a great defense. But in Arizona, I know that it's a whole different story. But I still feel confident that they could go in there and squeak out an ugly win. The Texans are a little bit overhyped right now, if I, if I may, may add. They they actually they actually have done a lot better than I, than I thought. But again, those two games back-to-back... Not, not that tough. And Patrick, again, I'm going to stick with it. Do you see any different pitfalls here in the schedule? There's a couple that I that I have. Um, the first one is at the end of the season, you go at Dallas on Thanksgiving. Uh, fortunately, you have a long week with Seattle coming to town. They got to do the whole West Coast to East Coast thing. Then you got Dallas again. So it's, uh, I think it's twice in 17 days or something like that you play the Cowboys. Yep. And then you end the season... Uh, with two division games on the road. First is uh, at Washington on a Saturday, I believe, which is weird. Uh, and then you finish at the Meadowlands. And then the second one would be Carolina on Monday night. And then you got to go to Lambeau sort of as your, you, you know, the dog days of the season. 
Um, but if they can come out of those two with winning records, look, I mean, if you split the division games at this point, you're looking at, uh, I believe that makes uh, eight wins. <laughs> 11 that, wins yeah. is absolutely doable. Yeah. yeah, well, and that's the thing, too, is just there. That's why I think the Titans are kind of the dumb game this year. Um, I know that was kind of pegged originally. I think I said that would be an easy win, but I think that's the pitfall in between those two crunches. But other than that, you know, I, I feel pretty confident going forward as long as you kind of saw the th- the same things uh, work together that you did on Sunday night. Granted, that was I'm not expecting a shutout or anything, but, you know, 17, 20 point range and the offense is scoring right around 28 or 30. I'm I'm very happy with that. BLG, I'm curious too, with this going forward, who are some of the guys that you think are going to stand out or continue to stand out throughout the rest of the season? Well, you know, I could go the easy pick uh, here <laughs> and pick LaShawn McCoy, of course, but, of course. <laughs> which I will do because I think, you know, he, he really, he was obviously slow to start the season. I think he's back now, especially with the offensive line, uh, you know, starting to, you know, David Moak looked better. Uh, I think Matt Tobin might be able to pick things up here. Uh, you know, you're going to get the the guys back in week 10. and But not even just that. I just think he looked a lot better against the Giants. He was making people miss. That's something I didn't see as much in the earlier games. I think he's going to return to form. I think he's going to be huge down the stretch, especially, you know, if Foles is going to be shaky. Uh, you know, I would have liked to pick Darren Sproles, but, you know, he's going to be out for a couple weeks, so that's going to hurt a little bit. Uh, I'm sure he'll still be big when he gets back. But on defense, you know, uh, I just really think you have to look at it, it's not even just one guy. You know, it's, there's, the defense, there's just a lot of guys stepping up right now. You know, and you look at that defensive line, Benny Logan, you know, not getting a lot of credit probably, but he's he's up there in tackles for defensive linemen, uh, especially I think he's second along all nose tackles. Uh, you know, Fletcher Cox, still 23, still young, but he's a beast. Cedric Thornton doing his thing. Uh, you know, I think Trent Cole has been really undervalued. Uh, you know, a guy who a lot of people, you know, he got hot down the stretch last year. I think he had eight sacks or so or nine sacks in his last eight games, but really did nothing to begin the season. You know, this year he already has a couple of forced fumbles. Uh, he's getting to the quarterback. He's really getting pressure. And even Connor Barwin, who obviously had a huge game uh, opposite of Cole the other night against the Giants had three sacks. So, I mean, I really just think there's not even one guy on the defense that just stands out for me. It's really this this collective effort. Mm-hmm. And going down the stretch here, you know, Mike and I both did a uh, a prediction post of sorts, uh, like predicting the final games one by one on the schedule. And I'm not going to go through that, but the the quick version here is that you know I really don't see them losing back to back games. It's maybe as crazy as that sounds through the yeah. rest of the year. I think. They can maybe there's one instance where they lose two, but I don't I don't see any kind of big uh, run of losses here. I think they they really can go into the postseason at around 11 and five, 12, and four, somewhere around there. Yeah, that's what, that's crazy. You're just thinking about it. Even if they split the rest of the season, they're 10 and six. So it's just it's uh, I'm I'm this is it's such a good spot um, to be in here and. James, anybody uh, else that is standing out for you uh, the rest of the season? Yeah, I actually think Lane Johnson is going to make a big impact as the season moves on. I think we've already seen the impact he can have just in the two weeks he's been back, whether it's specifically him or just his importance to the line as a whole. The line has clearly looked better the last two weeks. And look, he's a guy who's rookie year into the second year in the league uh, you talk to most nfl players they say your biggest jump 
comes from that first year to that second year. He's moving into that second year. Once he gets a chance to get back into game shape, get a feel for being back on the field, uh, you know, fourth pick overall in the draft, uh, the, the sky's the limit as far as talent and ceiling goes. I think we could see Lane Johnson take a, a pretty significant step forward as this season progresses and become a, a pretty dominant tackle in this league. Absolutely. I could, you know, and it's just, I'm, I'm excited to see that happen. And I hope that comes true because man, I, I, I don't know. It would just make me giddy. That's all. I have nothing particular to add to that. It just, it would I like that. Happy. I think that was yeah. some strong analysis. Yeah, right hardcore there. analysis right there, folks. Uh, Patrick, let's look ahead. Let's, uh, well, not actually look at, let's just look at Sunday. Um, basically if, uh, you know, somebody took a dump on the stadium, I think we'd rather be happy with that, but the Cowboys and Giants have to figure it out. Um, obviously I think we all have to be Giants fans, uh, but after the kind of performances that are both going into this, and I think the Giants are on their third road game in a row. Um, do you really expect the Giants to have any chance on Sunday? I do expect them to have a chance. I don't expect them to win, but I mean, look, the division games are always close. I, I won't give away. I have a great stat that I want to give out during our uh, betting line, so oh, I'll give it away. Beautiful, beautiful. But I do want to say that uh, the Cowboys-Giants series in the last decade or so has been incredibly close. Uh, regardless of the records of the teams, the games have always been very tight. Um, and look, the Giants know that they are now in third place with two 5-1 and one teams ahead of them. They're uh, two games out now. If they don't win, that might be, yeah, that might be it for them. I mean, I don't know if psychologically if they're going to be able to recover from that. So, yeah, I think it's kind of a must win for the Giants. And the Cowboys, look, the Cowboys are a legitimately good team, which is totally weird. It's in Dallas. Dallas might be smelling themselves a little bit after beating Seattle. Oh, they are definitely smelling themselves. They, if, if we know Dallas like we think we know <laughs> Dallas, they absolutely are. The Giants are hurting. They need to. They know this, this week they have got to shut up and practice hard. And go try to make a statement of their own. It's going to be a great game. I wish, yeah, I wish we had Kanul Shaw back on from uh, from last week as we were previewing the Giants game because I I I'd actually want to give him a pep, pep talk and let him know that I'm 100 percent behind him. I I actually think this is kind of like uh, a shock the world. I can't. But where did this performance come from from the New York Giants and what's wrong with the Cowboys? Because again, you're, you're seeing the, the trajectory of not only the hype but also the sustainability of third down conversions was our friend Jimmy K um, you know posted today 54 converting on 54 percent I don't think it's sustainable BLG what do you think about the Cowboys Giants game this weekend and it's even actually a little higher it's 56 56 it's 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 crazy and I've I've I was talking to Jimmy we were both standing next to each other in the press box on Sunday before the Eagles game and we were watching that we were watching the Seahawks game and we both knew the Cowboys are going to win we just had that feeling, but we were watching that third and 20 play and Jimmy was like, they're going to convert this. They've been converting <laughs> on third down, like all, all year long, ridiculous. And I was like, I was like, I know he's going to be right. And sure enough, Terrence Williams makes the catch. And it was just like, it was just like, you knew it was going to happen. Now, you know, they're converting on third down at 56% and that's impressive. And that's not all just a fluke. I mean, the offensive line is great. They're running the ball effectively. You know, this isn't just a fluke. As Patrick said, they're legitimately good right now. They have a system that works. But the problem here is the sustainability. Uh, only one team in the last 15 years has topped <laughs> that third down rate. And, you, you know, you really just have the sense that it's going to drop. 
And what that means is the defense is going to be on the field more. And if, if that run game can get shut down, which is not so easy to say because, you know, the, the Seattle does have the top run defense and they couldn't even shut down the Cowboys, DeMarco Murray. But, you know, you wonder as he gets more touches and as the season goes on and, you know, they're already losing a Doug Free for a couple games here. Now, maybe there's other offensive line injuries like the Eagles had. You never know. Uh, you wonder how sustainable that is going to be because you look at the defense and everyone's saying, oh, you know, look at the Dallas defense. It's not as bad as everyone thought it was. That's not true at all. I don't buy it. They're second to last in yards per play. The thing that's covering up that terrible defense is the fact they are controlling the clock. They're running the ball so effectively. As soon as that stops, and again, there's no guarantee it stops because they're doing it really well. But if it does it's all just going to fall apart from there because that defense is going to be on the field. It's going to be exposed. They're going to allow points and yards just as they have when it, in the limited time it has been now. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Cowboys if they can keep it up, but I just think it's a very vulnerable model of success right now. James, you on board with that? Yeah, honestly, I was just going to say what Brandon said. Uh, <laughs> but, but again, exactly. But again, to reiterate the point that we can't forget that they have the best offensive line in the league, and it's not just the best offensive line in the league. It might be the best unit of any kind in the league. That offensive line is a legitimate weapon, and uh, Brandon is exactly right. The reason the defense has not been terrible or not seemed as terrible as they are is because this O-line, this running game has kept the team on the field, but we can't assume that it won't continue as Brandon said also, because it, it really is that good. No, and it is. And and that's no joke. I don't think the Cowboys by any means are a bad football team. They're definitely the second horse in this race. Some people even think that obviously they're the first. Um, I just, until you can prove to me that you can't be eight and eight anymore until you can start winning games, all the same old crap that everybody's been talking about for 16 years. I'm not going to buy into it. I'm not going to get scared about it. I think at, at at the very most, these are equal football teams. Yeah, and well, and and don't forget, Jason Garrett is still the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Exactly Cowboys. right. I don't care what's <laughs> happened the first six weeks of the season. Jason Garrett is still their head coach, and he is still flawed as far as that goes. So, and that's the and that's a great point, James, because I I almost want for the most part the Cowboys to win, and by my Lord and Savior, I hope that they extend that man for five years. Oh, I've been waiting every day. Every day <laughs> oh, I check the, check the feed, and I'm like, did, did Garrett get a contract extension? Please give him a contract. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if that happens, I'm fine with that. I, I really do think that this is the Giants ball game, though, for, for whatever reason. But uh, for exact predictions of this weekend, let's get into everybody's favorite segment. Let's ring the bell and get to the picks. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. So, of course, uh, my streak, not so great. We haven't done it in the past couple of weeks only because there's a lot of other great guests and stuff that have come on. But uh, we don't want to forget about it entirely. So we'll start with our man, Mr. BLG. Where are we heading to first, my friend? Well, we're going to go to the city of Philadelphia. And I'm taking the Eagle. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I'm, sucks. Technically, that's a push, right? I guess. <laughs> <they don't> <laughs> Just seeing if everyone was paying attention. Uh, you know, the game I'm looking at this week is the game. I'm taking in suicide. Uh, it has to be 
the Baltimore Ravens minus seven oh, yeah. at home against those Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are not a good road team at all. They haven't won a game on the road, I believe, since 2013. It was an overtime win against the Bills. You just can't trust those Falcons on the road. And even at home, apparently, they lost to the Bears last week at home. Yep. So, you know, I didn't see that coming. I thought they could at least hold it down at home. I'm really just not buying that Falcons team right now. And the Ravens, you know, pretty decent. I got to take the Ravens minus seven. Yeah, it's crazy. Flacco throwing five touchdowns. <laughs> I think, I mean, like he can, I wouldn't be surprised if you do it again. Obviously, I don't think he's going to, but James and I were talking about on the fantasy podcast. If you have anybody on Baltimore, play them because uh, it's, I think it's going to be a crazy, crazy game. James, where are we going next, my friend? All right, I'm I'm going out on a limb here, John. Uh-oh. And we're heading to the Black Hole. Oh, Ravens. I love that pick. Arizona Cardinals coming into town, riding high, 4-1, first place in the NFC West, coming off a, a closer-than-expected win over Washington, took a, a pick six at the end of the game to, to seal it up. Guess what, John? Not only do I like the four the four points, I like to the Raiders to win this game outright. Yes. Wow! The Raiders <laughs> will beat the Cardinals. It's not the best news for Eagles fans because you don't want the Cardinals coming off a loss in Oakland all fired up against the Eagles. But it is what it is. I, I like what Oakland showed last week against San Diego. They played them so tough. Uh, I think Oakland's kind of getting it together on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and and I just am not crazy impressed by the Cardinals. I know they're four and one. I know they win games, but it just feels like that letdown is coming. And I think it's this week. The Raiders aren't going to lose sixteen games. I think they get a win this week. I love that. The money lines all over, all, all crazy on that one too. They it's actually minus one fifteen for Oakland, minus one hundred five for Arizona. Doesn't really tell you much, but I still like that pick. It's ballsy. And we're gonna head to Mister Patrick Wall. Where are we going next, sir? Let's go to the worst place imaginable. I think that's Dallas. Let's go to Arlington, Texas, baby. <laughs> so in, in making these picks, I was doing a little bit of research because, you know, sometimes I like to try. Wait, on the show. you did research? Oh, that yeah, well, sometimes I try. Either? I had no idea. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Not just a hot take factory here, people. <laughs> um, so in this last decade, the Giants and Cowboys series is tied at four. And in the last two seasons... One game has been decided by seven or more points, and actually it was seven points. Uh, Dallas is negative seven in this game, which seems high, uh, even with the Giants coming off a shutout. I like Dallas to win, but uh, I don't love that negative seven. Um, So there you go. (laughs) So Giants plus seven for uh, Mr. Patrick Wall. I'm gonna I'm gonna push that a little further. I'm gonna tell you to bet it outright. The Giants are winning that outright. And I think by like three or four points, it's just gonna be. It's a division game, just like we were talking about. I really like the Giants this week. I am going to travel on down. This is kind of a, a sneaky play, a uh, a pleasure play, if you will. But hasn't been much to celebrate in Buffalo, and there hasn't been much to celebrate in Minnesota. But uh, I like Buffalo this week, minus six against the Vikings. I like Fred Jackson rolling his old, old bones right into the touchdown zone for a couple of this. And uh, I think the Buffalo Bills absolutely destroy the Minnesota Vikings. I love them, minus six. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us. Again, a humongous thank you to Shil Kapadia for joining us, Birds 24-7. Him and his colleague, Mr. Tim McManus, uh, just, you know, some of the best in the business. The breakdowns that they have 
Obviously, if you're listening to this, you already probably know about him. But if you don't, go check them out. And, John, two of the nicer people you ever meet as well. Absolutely. Shield's been uh, uh, very supportive of all the stuff that we do here. And I know individually with Brandon and James and Patrick, just one of the best guys that we know. So we welcome him back with uh, any open, uh, with all open arms here. Uh, but for myself, John Barchard, for BLG, for James Elser, and Mr. Patrick Wall, want to thank you for listening to this bi-week episode right here on BGN Radio. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Bleeding Green Nation.